sing that song like all day. Declare it. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good to me. Amen. How many people want to live their best life here on earth? Amen. I know I do. I'm not ashamed of it. Last week we talked about this this idea that we all believe is true, or at least basically I think everybody did, and that's this. That there is a good God with the best plan. Let's say that together. There's a good God with the best plan. And we discovered that this plan is available to everyone. Now, discovering that plan doesn't actually begin with the plan, though. Because it's something that's much more fundamental or foundational. One of the things we said last week, I think, sort of summarized things, and that's this. God's personal direction requires a personal connection. That's a fancy way of just saying that a relationship with God is a prerequisite, really, for discovering His personal direction for each of our lives. And listen, if you want to understand God's plan for our lives, for each of our lives, you've got to first take a walk with Him. You've got to take a walk with Him and allow the relationship with Him to grow. And we talked about this last week and learned some things about how, uh, how God's plan for Abraham developed in that way and how He, how he started revealing that plan by Asking Abraham to do something. And that's what Abram did. So a personal connection with God is a prerequisite. Like any connection that you have in any relationship, I believe it can be tricky. How many people think relationships can be tricky? I'm not talking about just men and women either, romantic relationships or whatever. I'm talking about just relationships with your kids, relationships with your boss. <laughs> relationships. Relationships can be tricky. I learned this. We have an early learning center, Christina and I do, that we uh, are blessed to, uh, to operate. And, and uh, I tell you, you know, I see these little preschool kids in there, and they're awesome. They're so innocent, and they're just so, you know, full of life, and they haven't been corrupted or jaded by the things of the world. They just, they come together, and once they get over that initial little bit of apprehension, man, they're just best friends. They've never met a stranger. They go, they hang out, we teach them about sharing and being nice to your neighbor and all that kind of thing. And it's just wonderful to see them. They all come together and they just, there's just so much positivity in the room until the snacks come out. Once those goldfish and apple juice get on the table, all bets are off. At that point, it's a hunger games for preschool. I mean, that all that stuff about sharing and all the rest of that. It's like, snacks! <laughs> or a new toy that we that I haven't seen before. Bring that in. Man, it, it changed. But it just, uh, relationships between those kids at that age and even as adults are tricky. And I think, you know, relationships, they're a journey by nature of that. Relationship is not something that's just, that happens. And that journey, because it's something that's lengthy, it, it can make it tricky. And they don't happen just in a moment relationships. Don't they happen over time? And there's a sort of a chronology of this that I wanted to share with you. And Gavin Adams wrote a book I saw 
uh, or an article that I kind of got this uh, from, and it's interesting because it, it sort of walks you through this journey of relationships. Journey begins. We take steps together. New is always exciting. Trust forms over time, and trust is tested over time. So when you have a relationship, it begins at some point with an introduction. It might be that you know, a friend or a family member or somebody introduced someone to you. It's any kind of relationship. But you, you had an introduction. You know, maybe it was e-harmony. <laughs> doesn't matter. But, but there's an introduction part. Then you start taking some steps together. You, start, you, you follow along with one another. You do some things that maybe you have some common interests. You go to the movies together or you, you, know, you go uh, play golf together. Whatever it is. Get to know each other. And then that time in the early phase is the exciting time. You know, this is more particular, I'd say, for romantic relationships, but it could be anything. It, it's, you know, it's exciting. You, want, you can't wait till the next time you get together. Man, we had so much fun tonight, I can't wait till we get together again. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, because uh, since Christina's not here today, I can say this. <laughs> I, had a, I used to have a girlfriend before. Now, but I remember the old days, you know, you couldn't wait. And I remember back when the days when they would still charge you money to make a long-distance phone call. And boy, I ran up some phone bills, man, because I always seemed to pick girls that didn't live where I lived. I couldn't wait to talk to them on the phone. The next time, man, get on the phone, talk to them. It's exciting. Then, you know, over a period of time, trust starts to form. You don't even realize it's happening, but, but trust is forming in a relationship. And, you know, you might get to a point where you let somebody borrow your car. Or you, or you get to a point where you might want to introduce them to your family or to your circle of friends. This, 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 this thing, it just begins to happen. But then this happens, and it happens every time. It doesn't matter. Trust is tested. Trust is tested. Maybe the person you loaned the car to, they wrecked your car. <laughs> or, or it could just be something that they said in passing that didn't mean much, but it, maybe it just sets you back a little bit. You know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of things that can, that can happen that can, that can cause that trust to be tested. Maybe it's a promise they didn't keep. You know, maybe uh, maybe there was some point where you needed to, or felt like you had to question their honesty. And, and I'll tell you this, in relationships, when you get to a point where the trust is tested, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make because when these relationship journeys that we're talking about, when, when both people are walking them out together, you're usually walking in step together. You're not walking where the one relationship, when one party is walking that way and the other one's walking that way, or one's walking way out in front of the other one and you're way back here, you're usually walking in step together. There's like a rhythm to it. You may not be walking necessarily in lockstep, but, but there's, a, there's a rhythm to it. You're walking together. And conversely, the other side of that coin is that if we stop stepping, if we stop step, taking those steps together, the relationship will slow down. Or it might even stop altogether. When it stops, it stagnates. And uh, actually, I got these out of order, Libby, but if you could put up number seven just for a minute. If a relationship stops, number seven, if a relationship stops, if we stop, it stagnates. That's slide number seven. There it is. If we stop, we stagnate. Very important to understand this. There's a story I had, I was going to tell you about a time when there was this big field. I was about Jackson's age, 10 years old. 
big field we used to play football on. And at the end of that field, there was this nice pond. It's what we call today a retention pond. I don't know if we call them that back then, but it was beautiful. The way they had it landscaped and everything, the water was blue. It was real pretty. It's like this one. Like, uh, I guess now I'm jumping back to number, to number five. We could go to that picture of the pond. See how pretty that is? That's pretty, right? Nice water. That's what it looked like at the end of this field. Then there was this place over on the side of the field, again, very large area. It was, it was a place where water collected for whatever reason. When there was a lot of rain and the ground had absorbed all the water, it just, it's sort of like what happens here sometimes. It, the water just sort of rises and it collects. And it wasn't a small area. It was an area about as big as this stage. Sometimes it was a little bit less, but if it had had some rain recently, it would be a big pool of water. And I remember this one day we were playing that, that that water had been there so long that there were like mosquitoes flying all around it. There's some weird like looking weeds that were growing out of it. And there was this like just sort of funky looking film that had grown over the top of the water. And that's what this next picture shows. It shows that. It was sort of like that as best I could find just to give you an idea. So, you know, and I saw that over there and it's like, man, that's nasty. But we're playing football, so here I am. I'm going out, I catch a pass, I'm going around the side, I'm running, and then we didn't have boundaries or out-of-bounds lines or anything. We were just trying to run away from each other. The guy's chasing me, and I'm running wider and wider, getting closer and closer to that pond. And as I got pretty close to it, he got to me just enough in the back to push me. And as he did, I took a big tumble and rolled over right into that pond. I learned two things that day. Number one, there's a huge difference between shower water and stagnant pond water. And the second thing I learned is I didn't ever want to be in that again. I literally got out of there. I mean, that water, it stunk. It, it smelled bad. And it was so nasty that I could take my hand and just wipe off the, the slime. That was, I'm just telling you, it was bad. Everybody's laughing at me. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to use this in a sermon illustration one day. <laughs> There's some reason for it. But, but I, you know, you don't want to be in that. And look, it can happen just like in the water in a pond. It can happen in a relationship. And the only way for a relationship, any relationship, stay healthy is to keep moving forward. Keep taking steps. You can't stop and you can't go backwards. You've got to keep moving forward. And let me tell you, this is it. Trust is the way forward. Trust is the way forward. Trust is the secret sauce, I'll call it, to taking positive steps in a relationship. So if we can go back now to seven for a second, it's set up there before. If we stop, we stagnate. But here's the next part of that. If we trust, we travel. If we trust, we can move. I use that to try to have some alliteration there. But, I mean, you can keep moving when you're trusting. But if you stop, You'll stagnate. And look, we can only travel so far in our relationship without trust. You're going to hit the wall if you don't have trust in a relationship. And you're only going to be able to get so far. And a relationship with God is the same way. It's a journey built on trust. I, I believe this 100%. And, and it's not too different than any other relationships. If we can go to this next one, this journey with God, it's the same steps. Begins and steps through all the things we just talked about before. Your journey with God is the same thing. Begins with an introduction. Begins with God saying something like this. Would you allow me to love you even though you're unlovable? Now, that's not exactly what he says, of course. I'm just fascinated. Would you allow me to love you even though you're unlovable? 
said that. He said, yes. Yeah. So then you start, start deciding, I'm going to follow that a little bit. I'm going to take some steps with God together. You start taking some steps with Him. Maybe you started hanging around some friends that did, you know, some things that were, you know, some Christian friends. Maybe you just came to church like this and just took it all in. But you began to take those steps. And it was exciting too, right? I mean, at the beginning, how many people remember when you first came to the Lord? You're excited about your, you're learning things. You're seeing things differently. You, you see the problems, the same problems you have, but you're looking at it through a different lens. You even, you even got so excited. Sometimes you'd invite people to church. I said you got so excited. Sometimes you invited people to church. Remember those days? <laughs> I mean, but really, you. And, and then what happens is this: the trust falls away between you and God. There's a there's a, a, a peace amongst things. There's a hope that you have that's different. It, it's it's a trust that's building in a way that really, when you first accepted the Lord, you didn't maybe even know was possible. You start seeing that. Trust develop, and then everything's going great. Maybe, maybe in some ways, in, in your relationship with God, maybe going too great. You're following along, you know. You're taking those steps together, like in any relationship, and then you bumped into something that caused you to hit the pause button. It happens, folks. It's happened to me. It's happened. I imagine it's happened to all of you if you've been following God. Something happens. There's a thing that is the difference between where our lifestyle is and and, and God's. Guidelines. There, there's a gap that's sort of there. We stop walking just for a moment. We we stop walking. We hit that pause, but we hesitate just for a second. And again, as I said, if, we, if you want a relationship to grow, you you got to keep taking those steps. You, you've got to continue doing that. And when you stop that relationship with God, it can start to stagnate. And then it turns into something like that pond I showed you. It, it, it can do that. That's, that's not a place you want to be. So, now, and this trust I'm talking about with God, this trust is usually tested within the context of God's moral will. Now, we discussed that last week a little bit. There's a connection between God's preordained will, God's moral will, and God's personal will for our lives. But they're all interwoven together. They're connected together. They really can't be separated. And these bumps in the road typically, not always, but typically occur when there's a gap between God's moral will and our life. Now, remember, God's moral will are really like the do's and the don'ts, we said last week, of, uh, of what God's uh, set up for us. He's given us the instruction. It's in the Scripture. It's all right there. And uh, really, it's just like this. Just put it this way. It's God's guidelines for living. It's God's guidelines for living. That's what God's moral will is. And when we realize that God has said that He wants us to do one thing that He's given us instruction on, and we do another, trust is tested. Every time. If we stop, we stagnate. If we trust, we travel. And Paul recognized this. He, he wrote to Christians in first century Rome about this. He, he, he knew that and they were living in a permissive and promiscuous, really, society. A Greco-Roman culture, if you will, back in that time. And just like first century Romans were, we, too, in this world today, are living in an ungodly culture. How many believe that? We're living in an ungodly culture. If you don't believe that, go turn on the TV news, listen to a secular radio station, uh, read a newspaper, um, go Google a couple of things I can get. It doesn't matter. We are living in an ungodly culture. That's the way it is. But yet we are, as 
as Christ followers, if we are truly Christ followers, we're striving to live godly lives. I believe that's what the Romans were doing when Paul was writing to them. They were living in an ungodly culture, but still trying to live godly lives. So in a lot of ways, there's some similarities there. Not entirely, but there are a lot of ways that there are. And so today, I want to just walk through a couple of these verses, because Paul gives us, in a few sentences, an amazing insight. I mean, just, just in just a few words, he gives us an amazing insight as to how to release our ability to trust in God. How to release that in our lives. Romans 12. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You may be familiar with this. Many of you probably are. We're going to talk about it anyway. I don't think you can ever talk about this too much. I'm going to be reading from the New Living, uh, New International Version, the NIV, in this particular message. Here it is. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. In other words, because of what God God has done for you, what God has done for me, what God has done for us, through Jesus, you should live differently. You should live differently. And live a life that honors God's mercy. Hear what I said there. Live a life that honors God's mercy. It says, in the view of God's mercy, Paul's right. When you look at it from that perspective, live a life that honors God's mercy. And so I wanted to put this up here too. We honor God by trusting God as we walk with God. Let's read that together. We honor God by trusting God as we walk with God. Now doing that is not easy, not necessarily all the time, right? I mean, it's not. We stumble over things. We have obstacles in our way. And and our trust in God, frankly, is tested all the time. Our trust with God in that phase, those those things, that last one, trust is tested. It's tested all the time. And I believe that Paul, when he's writing this, is saying that this idea of making yourself a living sacrifice, it is a daily thing. It is not a one-and-done thing. You've got to get up every morning and say, today I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to do what Jesus did in the ultimate sacrifice in his death, burial, and resurrection to atone for our sins. I'm going to do what the Old Testament, when they had sacrifices, they made sacrifices. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to do it every day. That's what I've got to do. Now, I'm going to tell you, that is not our natural instinct. That is not the way we're wired to be, to get up and do that, to put ourselves in that place in the view of God's mercy and honor God's mercy, living that life every day. It's not we're not wired that way. So Paul gives us another thing here. A powerful, I mean, this is a powerful instruction. If you want to live your best life and get this connection between what we're talking about to God's personal plan for your life, look at verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I'm going to put up a definition of what conform is. You'll see it right here. Don't comply with the rules of the world. Don't comply with the standards of the world. Don't comply with the laws of the world. Don't behave according to socially accepted conventions or standards of the world. This is what he's saying here. Don't do that. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. What is the pattern? That's believing. I think one of the things it is is 
grace that is believing, as I said last week, that you can buy the good life, that you can marry the good life, that you can find your way in a career to the good life. See, the world believes that the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of fame, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of influence, whatever it is, there's many other things. They believe, the world believes that those things are the best life has to offer. And I'm here to tell you today, that's the pattern of the world. And Paul is saying, don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the trap of trying to find happiness, meaning, a reason for living, purpose, outside of God's will. Don't try to find the answers outside of God's will. But instead, looking at the rest of verse 2 here, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, transform, there's a, I looked this up, there's a Greek word, and Jake, you tell me if I'm pronouncing this, and probably not. Transformed is a Greek word, and it's metamorpho Metamorpho-o. That's where we get our word in English, metamorphosis. You know what a metamorphosis is? You ever seen one of those little time-lapse things where a caterpillar goes to a cocoon, and then it comes to a chrysalis, and then this beautiful butterfly comes out? That's what they call a metamorphosis. You see, that's what transform that word is. We need to be having in our lives and in our mind a metamorphosis on a regular basis. See, we should think, and think about this now, we should think the way God thinks. Not on our own decision about what we think that is. I'm talking about as it is revealed and clearly laid out in Scripture. We should do that. We should think the way he thinks. And again, the key to this verse is that that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Everything hangs on that understanding right there. It hangs on that understanding and it hangs on our willingness to change to do it. (laughs) Our willingness to change is a process, not an event. It's it's a a daily thing. It's not a one-time thing. And again, this this journey, this walk that we're going to take with God, it is going to force us to exercise our trust every time we bump into obstacles along the way. How many people have faced obstacles in their life? How many people have faced circumstances that you'd rather not have faced? Well, let me tell you, you're going to face them, and it's going to test your trust. And here's the good news. Every time we choose trust, Every time we choose trust and we take a step, I choose trust. I choose trust. I'm going to step in that. I choose trust today in God. Our relationship with Him gets deeper. Our relationship with Him gets closer. It's more intimate. These are the results of it. And by that, we are then closer to realizing God's perfect plan for us to live our best life. You want to live your best life, we're talking about it right here. So, walking with God in relationship. Now, I'm not talking about walking with God just coming to church on Sunday. What do you do on the other six? The other six days, what do you do? If you're just coming to church on Sunday, that ain't going to cut it now. I'm just here to tell you, I'm sorry if you don't like it. it. It isn't. That's not in relationship with God. If we're walking with God in relationship, though, it transforms us just by the process of taking those steps together. 
You're transforming. You're, you're renewing your mind by taking those steps. And we know a lot of what those disciplines are. But as long as we keep stepping, as long as we keep doing that, that renewal of our mind is occurring. And listen to this. When we, when we are doing that, present ourselves a living sacrifice, be transformed by the renewal of our mind on an ongoing basis, I'm going to tell you, it develops a higher level of trust in God. Every day that goes by, you are going to trust Him more than you did yesterday. I promise you, I trust Him more today than I ever did a year ago. And I promise you this, because I will keep taking steps. I will trust Him a year from now more than I do today. That's good. Because it can develop. It can increase. It can be something that you walk in, and you don't just say, yeah, I'm trusting God. Yeah, I trust God. No, you just get up every morning. You walk in that. I'm trusting God today. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I know that's right. I'm trusting God. I'm not saying you ignore things and you don't pay attention and stuff. I'm just saying you begin to just have such a level of trust, it grows. And by having that level of trust, it helps us continue to take steps. And you've got to keep stepping. So Paul finishes the thought in verse 2 with this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, how many English people do we have out there? English major. Grammar. What's then? What is that word? It's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Right? Then, 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 after we do not conform to the pattern of this world, after we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. Hallelujah! You do those things, and you're going to be able to test it clearly. You're going to be able to discern it. He's going to reveal it to you. There's some things we got to do first. That's the before the then. <laughs> but there it is. That's what we are all hoping to discover. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Say that with me. Say good, pleasing, perfect will. That, those last few words, is God's personal plan for your life. Right here in the scripture now. So when we begin to think and live differently by following God's moral will, His, His guidelines for living, we put ourselves in position to test and approve that personal plan for our life. We put ourselves in that place. So, now, let's talk about a little bit about this real quick. Our way versus God's way. Walking with God begins, as we said earlier, as exercising in following or taking steps together. But then it eventually shifts to an exercise in trusting. You've got to trust, and the trust will be tested. And both of those, I think, following and taking steps and trusting, are prerequisites to to determining and discerning and finding God's personal will for our life. But listen, if you are trying to discover God's plan, you, if you are out here and you say, I, I really am I'm trying to discover this, I'm, I want to know what God's plan is, I want to know what His will is for my life, and you're, and, you're, and you're trying to do that, but you don't think you're making progress, maybe, maybe you just need the Apostle Paul in these writings here to remind you in this verse is this, to live His way to discover your way. That's what Paul is saying in a nutshell. Live his way. Live God's way to discover your way. 
discover the way you're supposed to go. And listen, I've found in my life and my experience, I will tell you, that when we follow Jesus, allowing what he has done on our behalf, what he has done for us, to facilitate, to fuel our trust in him, I can promise you this, we can face any obstacle, any pitfall, any circumstance without fear by stepping over it, around it, or through it. That's what we can do. We can be confident in that. And each step we take, our relationship's getting deeper. It's getting closer. But if we get wobbly now, if we let our trust wobble a little, if we, if we get shaky, we're going to find that our relationship can fall and start sliding into that, that stagnant water. It can, it can begin to stagnate. So I'm going to ask this, this thing. If you feel today at all that your relationship with God is either a bit stagnant or it is stagnating or it is totally stagnant or you feel like you're slipping in that, whatever it is, I want you to ask yourself this question. This simple question, I think, where has my way superseded God's way? You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> Put you on the spot, but I want you to ask yourself that question. I'm asking myself that question. Where is my way superseded God's way? It's a difficult question, but I'm going to tell you this. That question, if you grapple with it, if you really decide that you're going to answer it honestly to yourself, it's difficult, but you will see that it leads to a better way. It leads to the best way. It leads to God's way, and it's going to allow you to live your best life. You're willing to face that. Isn't that what we want? Live our best life? That's what I asked you before. Everybody said, yeah. You want to live your best life? Where has my way superseded God's way? Now, some of the things you probably already know, think about it. Each person's different. Everybody's got something different. I'll give you a few things that maybe could just be points to consider. Where is God, where is, where is uh, my way superseded God's way? Do I date God's way? Or do I date my way? Do I decide to get married God's way? Do I decide to be married God's way? Or do I decide that marriage is going to be my way? Do I love others God's way? Or do I try to love my way? Here's a good one. Do I forgive God's way? Or do I decide that I'm going to try to do it my way and be offended? And live in unforgiveness. And let that block blessings that God wants to do. Want, block the development that he wants to do. To block the things that he wants to do in, our, in your life. Is that I'm going to do it? I'm going to forgive God's way? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to serve God's way? I'm going to serve my way. Here's another one that might get your attention. Make you uncomfortable. I guess my, I sometimes feel like that's my job. <laughs> do you do you want to give God's way, or do you want to give your way? Huh. Something to think about. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not judging any. I'm just. Getting, where is my way superseded God's way? Those are some things. There's others you could talk about. It. You know what the things are. And look, we're not going to get this right every time. We're going to make mistakes. That's why God's grace is there, right? We'll make mistakes. We'll, we'll, I mean, I, 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 all of those areas and then other areas that aren't even listed there. But listen, most of us have a dilemma. We deeply want to 
step over, around, or through the obstacles that we come. But fear and doubt sneaks in, and then what happens is we fix our eyes like we have blinders on. We fix our eyes on the problem. We fix our eyes on the obstacle instead of fixing our eyes on God. We fix our eyes on what the issue is, what the circumstance is, what the challenge is, instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on the problem instead of fixing our eyes on the solution. Fix your eyes in the right place. So then what happens is through that we stop. And if we stop, what happens? We stagnate. If we stop, we stagnate. That is our relationship with God. And we don't have to. We want to move forward with God. Listen, we're going to have to deal with a lot of things. One of the things we have to deal with is this, this next statement here. Stepping past our struggle, stepping past our circumstances, or I say stepping past it, over it, around it, through it, whatever it is, however God leads you through it. Stepping past our struggle might require something in our life to change. Are you willing to do that? willing to change something in your life? Or do you like just being in your comfort zone? I've always done it. So there might be a lot of things. It could be to check the budget differently. You may to, 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 to uh, allocate your time differently and spend your time on different things differently. Almost certainly probably everybody in here can say, you know what, I need to do, I need to say I'm sorry to somebody. You know, I need to seek forgiveness from somebody. That's a change. You've got to change. Because if you're not doing it now, it's changing something to do it. Stepping because God's best plan is better than a good life. God's best plan is better than a good life. Rob, could you come as we as we close here? I'm going to tell you a few quick things as we're wrapping up here. God promised something way better than good for you. He promised something way better than good for you. He's promised that a journey with him, as you walk it out and take those steps, and don't hesitate and pause and stop, he has promised that it will not only lead to a good life, it will lead to the best life. How many of you want to live your best life? Raise your hands. I need to see it. How many are, unless you don't, if you want to live your best life, he's promised that to you, a meaningful life, a life full of purpose. A life full of peace that passeth all understanding. A life of hope. A life of joy unspeakable. Solomon wrote one of the very well-known Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Some translations acknowledge him. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. See, Solomon understood this. He understood that it all came down to trust. That's why he wrote the first words of that passage. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And listen, if we can trust him in the face of the difficulties, our relationship will grow. Develop, increase, and our paths will be made straight. Carl, 
Let me say this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. This is my experience. I believe it will be for you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Say that with me. Trust in the Lord. And listen, your path will feel much straighter when you are focused on the one you're following that's leading the walk. set up some things up here that look like obstacles. I didn't know all you guys were coming back, but that's all right. How many have issues in your family? Things that are going on in your family? Maybe that's an obstacle. Finances. Maybe finances. Maybe that's an obstacle. Maybe that's what's going to make you stop stepping. Oh, maybe you were offended about something. Maybe you're living in unforgiveness right now. That's something that might stop you from taking steps. Maybe something in your lifestyle, whatever it is. You know what it is. I don't need to know. You know God knows. Something in your lifestyle is causing you to pause. So now, let's look at this. I'm going to act. Carl's going to be Jesus in this illustration. I know that's hard for many of you to believe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But now look at it like this. If I'm following Jesus, and I'm trying to navigate, okay? Go ahead and just walk through it. Here I go. Now, I'm keeping my distance, though. Oh, I make this lifestyle thing. I get offended. I get, I get offended all the time. My finances, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm seeing all of this. Let me tell you this again. The path will feel much straighter when we are all focused on following the person who's leading. Now, watch it this way. Remember last week I said you want to be so close to him that you might have to be careful not to step on the hem of his garment. You have to be so close to him that you don't that you gotta be careful not to give his sandal a flat tire. That's how close I want to have just a piece of paper between me and Jesus. So when I follow him like this, what am I seeing? I see Jesus! Trust in the Lord! Trust in the Lord! Trust in the Lord! And he will help you navigate the obstacles because all I can see is him. Get close to him. Walk with him. Keep taking steps every day. And as you do, you will confidently be able to keep up the pace in the relationship. You'll stay with it. And your journey will be so, look, it'll happen that there will be obstacles. But no struggle when you do that will keep you from stepping forward. You're going to keep taking steps. And if we're stepping, we're walking. And if we're walking, we're growing. And if we're taking steps, if we're in that motion, if we're moving forward, we can't stagnate. Our relationship can only get deeper. Our trust can only develop stronger. And then he's going to lead us and take us to places that we never could have imagined. You want to live your best life? Stay close to him. You want to be live your best life, make your life a living sacrifice. Every day, not a one-time thing. You want to live your best life, transform yourself every day by the renewing of your mind. And then, and then, 
plan is for each and every one of us. And if you're at a place today where you don't know about that, you can settle it today. You can settle it today. It's not like it has to happen later. That can be settled today. If you've fallen away, you're stagnant with that. That can be settled today. And I'm going to ask you, whatever it is, as we always do in this church, we're going to open these altars as we sing. And it doesn't matter if you're facing a challenge or if you just want to come and give God glory for what he's doing or seek God in a deeper way. But whatever it is, I would just ask that you come down here and allow us to pray. And as long as people want to be here.